It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, August 10th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is talking all things Shane Gostas Bear today in a bit of a throwback. Let's revisit it. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up with our episodes and Flyers news, all that fun stuff. You can send us mailbag questions like we are going to answer today that way, or you can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. Today, we are going to talk about that deal to Arizona for Shane Goss Bear and see what we think about it a year later. Then we are going to get into those mailbag questions. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe over there and drop us a like as well. Uh, Russ, a little bit of news before we get into the ghost deal. Uh, the Reading Royals extended the affiliation with the Flyers. So they will be our ECHL team through the next couple of seasons, as well as having an option for a third. Good to get that locked in. And it seems like at least Lehigh Valley and Reading have a good relationship in terms of sending players up and down. They do. It's a good city. I've been there a couple times. I like that rink. I actually covered the a while back now, uh, the ECHL All-Star game there. And it was fun. Yeah, fun. yeah it was fun. And yeah, I, I think it's a good hockey town. I think uh, the fans are into it, so it's good for the prospects. And it's really good for the um, for the team because of the location. The location between Lehigh and Reading in regards to Philly is really a good setup. It, nothing will ever match when they were across the street. Um, you know, with right. the spect- you know that that was unbelievable at the Spectrum was across the street from Wells Fargo. But at the end of the day, this is a really good situation. Yeah. And uh, the Reading Royals social media is sneaky fun. So follow them if you are not already. All right. So looking back at last summer's deal to send Shane Gostas Bear to the Arizona Coyotes, along with a second round pick from this year's draft that we just had and a seventh round pick that we had gotten um, in the Eric Gustafson trade. So in order to get a cap savings of four and a half million for two years last season and this season, we had to pay Arizona that second rounder and the seventh rounder to take Shane Gostas Bear. And, you know, I think at the time, we have to remember where we were when we're thinking about this to just try and be fair about it, that in the expansion draft, Seattle had taken Carson Torinsky. Which was maybe a not surprise. Huge surprise. Huge surprise. Not somebody with any significant cap hit at all. I know a lot of people were hoping they would take JVR to help them get to the cap floor. Did not happen. Um, yeah, that Carson Torinsky pick was 
well out of bounds, I think, from anything that was expected. The Flyers had already traded for Ryan Ellis, and he was a huge part of the plan on the defense going into this past season. The cap was flat, and they still needed to sign Carter Hart. Yeah, all those things were big. Uh, at the time, Gossip Spear was struggling in the market, and we'll talk about it. And I get that it's not great when you have to give up some picks to do this. But, I mean, look what the Leafs did this year in the draft. They dropped like 13 spots to save 3.8 for one year. They had to save four and a half for two years. Now, I get it. He's still a useful player, but he wasn't as useful as he had been in the pre in previous years here. So I think when you look at all of it, I still don't think it was that bad in retrospect. No, and I think that he had been struggling partially, I think, due to his own performance, but partially, I think he just had a tough time with Alain Vigneault, to be honest. And I think that it just was a bad combination. Um, of course, we didn't know at the time they were going to fire AV. But, right, that's a factor. Uh, but I, I do think that if you're looking at the price you have to pay to get that cap space back versus what you think his productivity was going to be, the signs were not pointing in a good direction. That no. added, added to the fact that we knew we had to get a top pairing defenseman that would work well with Ivan Provorov. I think they really thought they were going to get somebody good and they could afford to let Ghost go, even if Ghost was going to take a step forward this past year. Right. So some stats that I got from Instat um, on Gosta Spears' season last year and, and from other places, some hockey reference too. Um, one obvious one was he, he took 151 shots, which is more than he took previous years with the Flyers. And he played more games, but that went back to like 17, 18 kind of year where he would take like 221 like that's what he was taking for the flyers when he was scoring 15 17 20 you know i think it was what 17 goals something like something like that mm -hmm. so that's one thing uh 43 were on the net so you know not a great percentage when you're, you're a, a top defenseman and you've got to get that shot on goal to get points for your other your teammates that was down for him uh Puck battles won 52%. All right. You know, 78 giveaways. That was the second most in his career. I mean, a ton of giveaways. So clearly uh, there wasn't much stress put on him like it was in Philly to make sure you protect the puck, puck security. Remember, that was talked about for yep. two of his coaches. Um, so that, you know, he had 115 blocks. That went back to like 2018 numbers. Uh, 60 hits was was high for him. That was good. And his hits were up and his hits against were up. So he was getting um, hit more too because he's not quite as fast as he once was. So now he's a little bit more of a target. When you look at these numbers, and then I know you have some too. When I look at just these numbers, I see that he's already a different defenseman. Like this is a different guy than the guy they had those first three years where he was dynamite. Yeah, I, I think it is interesting because if you just look at his raw stats, right, 14 goals, 37 assists, 51 points, it's the second highest point total in his career. And it's easy to say, oh, man, he had a really quality bounce back season. And yes, he did to some degree. But you have to look at 
what's underlying those numbers. And, you know, you brought up several really good points just now about, you know, that there's a little bit more to the picture than just those point totals, because he did get a little bit more ice time at even strength than he did with the Flyers, about a minute 30 more per game on average. Which is but, a lot. Yeah, which is a lot. And so that leads to some additional scoring just naturally, especially on the assist side, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that there's that. He did start off really, really strong with, with Arizona, um, but he was getting much easier ice time at first. And you see his scoring petered out and he got a hell of a lot less consistent once Jacob Chikrin was hurt on Arizona and Shane Gostas there had to take those harder matchups that those numbers went down a little bit. And then if you look at everything on average at the end of the season, his scoring on the power play was weaker than previous seasons with the Flyers, despite similar ice time per 60 on that. But five on five was improved a lot. So it kind of counterbalanced itself, I think, mm -hmm. in, in the end. And so overall, his rates went down in goals per 60, shooting percentage, like you said, and expected goals per 60. All of that went down from the previous season with the Flyers. And so you have to look at it and say, okay, I think the Arizona situation was almost a perfect situation for him to bounce back in. And he did to some degree, but he would not have done that on the Flyers, like given the circumstances of the Flyers. Yeah, he wouldn't have been allowed to sort of like freewheel it the mm -hmm. way um, he was for a while. And again, we would have to ask the bigger question, how would he do in a John Tortorella situation? His points would go way down because he would have to have, again, a handle on that puck security on playing away from the puck, things that maybe he got a little better at over time, but certainly didn't have to even worry about in Arizona. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that and kind of ask the big questions of would we do that trade now, knowing or then knowing what we know now coming right. up next after we hear about Athletic Greens. I want to take a moment to talk to you about Athletic Greens. I started using Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system and hated taking pills and vitamins. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-sourced su superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, and focus. It costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contain less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery. It also supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop away, one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health 
and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Russ, now that we've kind of looked at how this past year went for Shane Gostas Bear, I think it is valid to go back and say, like, would you do it again, given everything that we know now? Well, it's interesting. So if I, you know, didn't have that extra four and a half million, there's no Tony D'Angelo for sure. Probably uh, one less move last year, too, as a result, at least that. Yeah, I, I, I think I would still make the same move. I would still do it if I were the Flyers because it's not the points that mattered. It's the fact that he was struggling to contribute, and I don't know if that would get better under John Tortorella. And it was also the fact that they did need to save some money if you want to say if it's Gostaspear or Risto right now, I'm going to take Risto over Gostaspear simply because hot take I know there. I know it's a hot take. <laughs> I mean, it's and you know it's a tough take, but I have to do it in the sense that I already knew what Shea Gostaspear couldn't do in this market. I'm not quite sure what um, Risto can't do in this market yet. Yeah, he was a little loose with the puck at times, but he played some pretty good hockey at times too. So with Torts there, I think there could be uh, some nice upside with Risto. And so if that's the case, then I, I would rather have him than Shane Gossespierre. So, you know, you have to do it. You had to do it because of the cap savings and because of the way he struggled in the market. It's easy to go back and look and say, oh, look, he had 53 points. Boy, that was dumb. You know, it's interesting you bring up Risto Linen because for me, it's really difficult because when you think about the deal, are you making that cap space for the Ryan Ellis deal you just made in order to pay him? Or did you make that cap space for the Ristolainen deal, which happened right after the Gostas Fair deal, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think mentally more people would say the latter, right? That you made that cap space for a second pairing defenseman because you think of Gostas Bear as more of a second pairing defenseman. You're looking for somebody to go with Sanheim. They right. wanted somebody who was maybe more physical than Gostas Bear. And they think Ellis can do the offensive side of things that maybe they were going to lose from Gostas Bear. Right. So yeah. th that's kind of the framework of this. And I think that paying Arizona to take Shane Gostas Bear felt worse when you heard what they gave up to get Ristolainen. So it felt like they were paying a first and a second to get Ristolainen, even though like the deals were separate mm -hmm. at the time. And I think that's where like some of the perception problems come into play. Yeah. Here's one other thing that's sort of in my mind. So when Gossespierre originally had the 17 goals, he only took 152 shots. So his shooting percentage was 11.2. You know, then his next year was a little off. Then when he had the 13 goals, it's when he started to shoot a lot. And that's when he had the 221 shots at only a 5.9% shooting percentage. And so this year, he was just like a little better than one of those years with the shots and the goals. And it's like, look what it took to get all those goals again. Like that's, I'm not right. sure it's worth it. But we didn't get what, I think at least Chuck Fletcher was expecting out of Ristolainen, even though, you know, you can say he made some good defensive play over the That's course fair. of this season. I think that 
it's just very hard to separate it mentally. And that's where people think, oh, we just should have kept Shane Goss to spare. But I, I do ultimately think that what they did to clear that cap space was the right move, given everything we've talked about on the Shane Goss to spare side of things. I just think that the Ristolainen deal looks worse in retrospect because ostensibly that was the replacement. And I mean, that did not work out to the level that I think expectations were. The two big numbers for Ristolainen, as bad as people want to talk about his giveaways, he only had 33 compared to the 78 that I talked about with Shane Gossespierre, and he had 230 hits. Mm -hmm. They are different players, right? Yeah, they're very different players. And I, I also think, you know, there's the Ryan Ellis thing floating in where we didn't get that at all. So uh, I think that's part of it as well. But I do think in isolation, knowing that they needed to fill some significant deficiencies on the team, as well as signing Carter Hart, um, they had the Travis Sanheim contract to negotiate as yep. well. I still think it's the right move. I think yeah. it, was, it was a good way to clear cap space. And that second round draft pick, as much as I love second round draft picks, I think Same that was here. a fair price to pay. I think where the problem is, is the effect it had moving forward. And I think the combination of the difficulty with the flattish cap and what it takes to clear a cap space in that environment in this league, the prices went up this past summer to clear cap space. They absolutely right. did. And I think by being willing to pay a second the year before, Chuck Fletcher might have priced himself out of some options this year now the one thing i'll throw into the whole mix is if matt niskanen didn't retire none of this would have happened no i don't know I'm just, <laughs> i just i just threw that in well, i don't think we need to go there but matt niskanen and and ryan ellis they're going to be mentioned for a couple of different reasons for like a decade they're going to be mentioned because they're two big cogs as to why the Flyers were so good and why they're they're starting to go the other way. Yeah, I mean, do you think, though, that they would change the decision on Gostas Bear knowing the flat cap situation versus, you know, we know for next year the cap is going to go up a little bit more? Do you think that affected those deals for JVR or potentially Konechny? I'm not sure. I'm not trying to yeah. cop out. I'm just not sure. It's tough to make that call, uh, but we did see that that some GMs were able to clear cap space pretty yes. successfully, and Chuck Fletcher was not. And I think because of that Ristolainen deal, giving up that first. Yeah, that's man, the one that everybody wants to point to, and I get I, I it. think that was the reason why he couldn't give up a first. Right. Because that, that would be two first-round picks in two years, losing just to clear cap space, essentially. Right. And that would be a bad look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. So in the other segment, you mentioned Gossis Bear and Tortorella, which is, you know, an interesting point to bring up. I also wonder if he had stuck around once they fired AV, would Mike Yo have just let him run wild? He like would have, but you would Sure. But then you would be getting these same numbers that we talked mm -hmm. about in Arizona and then the new coach would walk in and be like, uh-uh. Yeah. You can't play like that. This is, we're not playing like this anymore. So then again, you'd be playing with Shane Goss, the Spears head, 
where he figures he's finally back, like Mike Yo got his game back, and now this other guy is going to be more like Vigneault and is going to start picking at his game a little bit. So I, I don't think it would have been good for him. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think that he just would not work well under a John Tortorella system. And if that's where we're ultimately ending up, then, you know, I think we can both agree that making that Gosta Spare deal to Arizona ultimately is the right move. The problem is so much else around it went wrong that we right. weren't able to truly get the benefit of that deal. That's true. And and that's that's that it is really well put. Uh, you know, again, the the other part of this is Shane Gossespierre used to always say, I'm not under any other under any pressure in Philly. I can play in Philly. I love Philly. But he really wasn't true to himself on that. He really was under a lot of pressure. And that's why he was missing a lot of shots. Well, I certainly miss him and his dogs. They are. Oh, yeah. Very, He's a great guy. Very, very cute. But uh yeah, there's uh, some interesting questions around that trade for sure. We will be getting to your questions in our mailbag coming up next. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find league reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball, and all the info leading up to next year's NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. They even cover combat sports, esports, and golf, too. BetOnline.net. Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to scores and podcasts and more. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. So head to the Bet Online website today or use your mobile device. You can learn more about all the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Russ, we've got some good questions today. Uh, we did mention Travis Sanheim. In the last segment, we have a, a question on him. What do you think happens with Travis Sandheim this season in terms of a contract extension? Does it happen during the season or wait until next summer? And how much does it depend on how the team does overall if he sticks around? Well, I think it does matter a little bit on how the team does, but I think uh, it would be smart if Chuck Fletcher knew the parameters now and just kind of waited until the inevitable happens with Ryan Ellis and then goes to Sanheim and say, okay, this is what we want to do. Do you want to extend? And that might run into the regular season, but not far into it, you know, maybe just the early weeks. And, and I think that may be the best way of telling because then by then you would have seen him under Torts' system in preseason and have a better idea. It gives the team a little bit more leeway, but it also you're, you're placating the player because you are talking about that extension and getting the parameters in line. Yeah, and I think doing that well ahead of the trade deadline shows that it's a good faith negotiation, yes. that this isn't some gamesmanship. It's, no. you know, something that they really want to keep him around and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I do think that is the right approach here as well. Uh, I think it's too early to say what the amount might be like, because I think we kind of, to your point, have to look and see how he fits under Tortorella. And yeah, because I don't even know what, what the usage will be like. Yeah, And I don't exactly. think Chuck does either. Nope. And I don't know that Tortorella does yet either. So right. I, I think that uh, there's a lot of question marks going into that decision. 
Next question. Does Nick Delorier play all four years of that contract in Philadelphia? Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Um, it's, it's not a heavy cap hit. And if the cap does go up, I could see him staying. The question will be like, is he going to still be a part of this like brutal fourth line that they're going to keep going for all these four years? Or will things change a little and he's going to have to, you know, score a little bit more? That'll be the, the thing. Because he has scored some goals in his career. And I think he had 10 or something like that as his, as his high. And I would rather get that play out of him than all the bare knuckles play. But, of course, that's not what we're going to see this year. That is true. Yeah, I do think it'll depend on a couple of things. It'll depend on his quality of play, like you said, and if they can get some goals out of him, because I just don't see them having a guy like him sit there if they really need some goal scorers and um, his health and, and such. I think that um, that will play into it as well. Uh, a question on an old friend. Uh, Michael Roffel signed a two-year deal recently to play in the Swiss League. Uh, would he have been worth it to try and bring back? No, because the the speed slowed down on Michael Roffel. The um, the scoring to some degree. Remember, he played with Giroux for a while. He used to move around. He used to get to play with some pretty high-caliber guys. Yeah, and and when you saw that he wasn't. And he could, and he could hang with them, right? He had what, like twenty goals one year. It was, it was kind of unforeseen. But then, you know, when he wasn't playing with those high caliber guys, and you wanted a certain amount of scoring on his own, finishing wasn't necessarily his thing. He was a good guy you could plug in for a long time, but I don't think now would be any. I think that's why you, you know, you're not seeing him here or anywhere really. Yeah, and I think that the way his usage was in Dallas, he was more of a defensive forward for right. them because of those scoring issues and just where he fit in their lineup. And I just don't think that's something that the Flyers necessarily need. As much as I love Michael Raffle, one of the uh, many ex-Flyers jerseys hanging in my closet <laughs> right now. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think that, yeah, I, I just don't think he was would be a good fit right now. Agree. All right. The Flyers scored 210 goals last season, which was just ahead of Arizona for the worst and just behind San Jose. Uh, will they get more goals than that this season? It's a good question. Like if this were like a betting question, uh, it's a good one for bet online. Uh, I think they could get a bit more, but it's not going to be a lot more. I mean, D'Angelo certainly you would think him adding more with Couturier there, sure. But then you're also going to be um, – you have a coach that's going to want to win the differential battle and and cut from the differential as much as scoring. So I think they'll score more. I, I think maybe they'll be around 27th in the league. and Because the numbers get pretty tight when they're down below like that as far as for goals. Mm -hmm. But I think they can get somewhere like that. And I think their defense will be much improved. Maybe they'll get to the point where they're – in the middle of the league, something like that, or or top 20? I think the goal differential is going to be the more interesting stat to look at in terms of will the tort system really tighten them up defensively. But as far as pure goals, yeah, hopefully it does go up last season. And, you know, they may not be better than the worst 10, but they'll be closer to the 10 mark, I think. 
Right. Um, they, they should be able to score a, a few more goals. They had some just horrible puck luck this past year, I think, as well. So um, hopefully they will score a little bit more. All right, we are going to wrap up with our Flyers fun thing. And uh, something they do at development camp every time is have the prospects draw the Flyers logo. And it's always funny to me because um, the Flyers logo is actually sneakily very hard to draw from memory. There's some interesting like contours to it. Mm -hmm. And you forget how many wings there are in it. Mm And all of those things um, and like how sort of the P is formed with the circle in the middle. It's very actually complicated from a design perspective, I think, just to draw freehand if you're not really trained in it. So always got to give these guys kudos for trying. And I do think in this one, Cutter Gautier does it the best. Yeah, it's hard to do for sure. And... I have to agree. I think that's pretty damn good. It's better than I could do. Like, I wouldn't even do it. I'd be like, I'm out. Like, I really would. Like, yeah. some, but it is really funny. I mean, some of them are really, Zaid Wisdoms looks like a bird with just like one giant eye. Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, yeah. It's something I used to do in my notebook in middle school, but um... yeah. I would probably not show that to other people because it would be embarrassing. Yeah, cutters got close. A few of them were pretty good, though. I have mm-hmm. to admit, it, it is a details thing. Like, even, you know, it's funny. Um, Cam York's is just a little too, like, robust, like, fat. If he'd have thinned it out a little, his would have been pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right, that will do it for today's show. We will be back again on Friday. We are going to be talking to Jared from Locked On Hurricanes to get some intel on what the Carolina Hurricanes were up to this offseason. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.